0: you're listening to live from city lights a podcast of readings and archives from city lights books and publishers to learn more visit www.citylights.com
1: well buenas noches it is so beautiful to see so many faces in the zoom mundo with us tonight I am broadcasting to you live from the third floor of City Lights Books in San Francisco. Send you all a little bit of bookstore love, people. This is the offices of our dearly departed patriarch, Lawrence Ferlinghetti. So, um, for those of you that don't know, you've tuned into City Lights Live. City Lights made the transition to the Zoom Mundo during this pandemical time. Remember when we used to do the uh, readings on the uh, poetry room, you know, and everyone would get all sweaty and we could only fit 10 people in there at once? Now, City Lights Live is a guy in the comfort of your own homes. You don't have to wear pants. You can enjoy yourselves, eat noodles, whatever. But um, tonight tonight we're celebrating the launch of Maestro Nathaniel Mackey's much anticipated new book release. It's called The Double Trio. So uh, make some zoom noise for this beautiful creation. It's in the world now. Um, Yeah, and joining uh, Maestro Nathaniel Mackey tonight as a companion reader is the one and only Maestro Fred Motid so for those of you that haven't heard, my master Nathaniel Mackey is the award-winning author of several books of fiction, of exquisite rhythmic lyricism as Book Forum has called them. He's also the author of numerous editions of poetry and criticism and has received numerous honors for his work, including the National Book Award in Poetry for Splay Anthem, the Stephen Henderson Award from the African American Literature and Culture Society, the Bollingen Prize and the Ruth Lilly Poetry Prize. Maestro Mackey is the Reynolds Price Professor of English at Duke University. City Lights Books was honored to uh, be able to publish numerous books of Mr. Mackey's, including A Tere D and What Said Seref, as well as School of Udra. Joining him tonight is the one and only Maestro Fred Moten. Fred Moten is an American cultural theorist, poet, and scholar whose work explores critical studies, Black studies, and performance studies. He's a Professor of Performance Studies at New York University and Distinguished Professor Emeritus at the University of California, Riverside and the University of Iowa. Fred Moten's scholarly texts include The Undercommons, Fugitive Planning and Black Study, which was co-authored with Stefano Harney, In the Break, The Aesthetics of the Black Radical Tradition and The Universal Machine, published by Duke University Press in 2018. He has also published numerous poetry collections, including The Little Edges, the Field Trio, B. Jenkins and Houston's Tavern. So now, without further ado, give it up for Nathaniel Mackey and Fred Moten.
2: Thank you, Josiah. I'm, I'm very happy to be here and uh, kind of return to City Lights where uh, I used to publish and used to visit and particularly happy to be here with uh, my good friend, Fred Moten. This will just be another installment in this conversation we've been having for what, 40 some years, something like that. So I, I asked Fred to choose some poems for, for me to read from Double Trio and he put together a, a set list for me. So he's really the DJ tonight and I'm just the vinyl. You see him sitting up there with this, you know, he got his headphones on. So I'm gonna ask him to, to DJ Come in and say a little bit about what he asked me to read, and then I'll I'll read a couple of things, and then we'll come back to something else he asked me to read, and then we'll check and see what the time looks like, and uh, do what we can do in the time that we have. Fred,
0: thanks, Nate. I'm uh, it's an honor to be here. I'm I'm so happy to be here to celebrate the. You know the publication of this book, which is <laughs> book's not the right word. Um, this double book, or this this trio of double books, which is so monumental, and at the same time, so much in the middle of this long trajectory that you're still on. And obviously, you know it's it's a beautiful thing not only to to recognize what you've accomplished here, but to but to realize at the same time that there's so much more so much more to come and and part of what i guess i've been thinking about over the last week as i really tried to 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 figure out how to open this book is i guess the the best way to put it to to figure out how to how to approach the double trio and to really begin to rediscover you know some of the most fundamental and elemental parts of of what you've been doing for, for 40 years, longer than that obviously now. And so maybe one of the phrases that resonated in my head or the a little resonance that occurred in my mind was the resonance between double book and double back. There's this doubling back that, that feels to me like it's characteristic of your sound. It, it, it reminds me of a bunch of different musicians, but the one I think I'm thinking of that it the the person who it really reminds me the most of, I think, is John Gilmore. And when I listen to Gilmore, I feel like I'm constantly there's this sort of really intense interplay between between recursion and extension. And and I I thought of it, you know, I, I wrote this to you the other day that when I'm reading when I'm reading your poetry, it feels like uh, it feels like there's a arm reaching into some both new and old terrain, but the reach of that arm, the reach, uh, you know, the, the the extension of that arm moves by way of a kind of curl. I'll tell you what it reminded me of. Imagine, it reminded, it was as if, I kept thinking that there's a tree, a tree with a limb that wraps around itself, right? And when the tree reaches out, it reaches out by way of that that recursion. It reaches out by way of this kind of intense circling, And of course that circling is is complicated. It made me think of the three terms that that are sort of fundamental to to your book from 2006 play anthem, you know, braid, fray and nub. Imagine a, a tree that reaches around itself to reach out and in a way it also is always eroding or cutting off that reach too and then the loss of that reach becomes a theme that, you know, so that there's always this yearning at the same time as there's always this reaching. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an extraordinary accomplishment to, to create that kind of topological confusion <laughs> for a reader. And that topological and topographical confusion can become, it, it just, it's just such an amazing terrain to, to find oneself lost in, um, anyway. I wanted to have you, you know, to ask you to read a couple of different, couple sets, I guess. And, and the first set is from Song of the Andumbulu, 142, and Moo, 122, which are both from the first volume, Tej Bet, towards the end. And I guess I was thinking really also about how these two threads, how these two extraordinary lines, these two extraordinary long songs go together, how you put them together. How they're braided together, how they rub up against one another, how they how they how they turn one another into that nub of, of yearning and a hub of yearning, too. So I don't know. That's I guess that's the call. Moments Omen, which is Song of the Andunburu, 142, and All Accruing to the One, which is mood, 122nd part. So.
2: OK, OK. Thank you, Fred, uh, for for mentioning John Gilmore, who was a player that um, I just couldn't get enough of. I mean, you know, I still can't get enough of. Uh, He's on all those sunrod discs and, you know, but some others as well. But as you were talking, I was thinking about one of the qualities that really spoke to me in his playing, which I think you get at, you know, right on you know, with this business of the, the tree limb reaching around the back of the, the trunk before coming forward. And what I heard in, in John Gilmore's playing was this sense that there's no guarantee of retention. That, you know, like you say, it's always eroding and you have to keep bringing it up and bringing it back and uh, making sure that it's still there. That you can't rest assured that you retain what has gone before, so he would advance the solo, but he would, you know, be doing this nervous thing, or it sounded nervous, like, "Is the head still back there?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he, you know, and he reached back, you know, make make sure it's still there, you know, yeah. and I I think that's so big a part you know, of our tradition, that we do have these retentions, you know, as Melville Herskovitz, you know, called them back in 1940, talking about our connection to to Africa. But, you know, they're so constantly preyed upon, and so constantly eroded. You know, we have to keep looking over our shoulder, you know, to, to make sure, you know, that they're still there. And, and I think that's, that that's come into the stylistics of, of so much of, our expressive production and you know, it's infectious and I caught it too. So yeah, Yeah, you know, you put your finger on something that's salient and vital, but let me shut up, you know and (laughs) let me shut up and, and, and let the work that we're talking about speak. So I'm gonna read the two poems that you mentioned from Tejbet, the first of the books or double books in the box, song of the Andumbulu." 142, which is subtitled Moments Omen. We were on a train somewhere on our way to California, Florida, Panama, and the Bahamas lay behind. Abandoned boys and girls again, the band of us. We threw our votes toward the polling place, too far to reach. Southern arrest had set in. We set our sights west. Sunset's chemical sky, some new recognizance, bomb the omens notice might be. Lone coast obliquity said, come hither. Steeped insolvency, bittersweet obliquity, bend. Fit were at the end of it, but not. Lone coast arrivancy, lone coast obliquities behest. We had just gotten started. We were barely off. A dream of outmost arrival obliged us. The asymptotic hustle it was notwithstanding. A blessing we were bent on. Boom beyond any lone coast rapprochement. Either we stood in a line wrapped around the world or we sat on a train headed west, IDs and see through ink. Either way, we circumambulated, unsure which. The ballot box are stone, black rock. No way to look through or look into it. No matter it lay broken or because it lay broken, come from no sky, we knew. We were scared and afraid, fear meant we knew something Scared being scared was knowing's omen, moment's gnosis. The alone lay waiting, the we we were afraid we'd be. I knew there was no we. I knew we less than we's rumor. I knew it was a feeling from before. I knew there was the hum it made at least. I snuck a peek at where the alone were, lone coast Intaglio, a grimace in the wind. The it of it might only be the hum of it I saw, heard what made me imagine I saw, and a grieved omen we were a moan away from. Why they take it away? Why they try to, we were asking. A lady dressed in black stood in the aisle and started dancing. Otherwise, we sat with our refugee blankets tossed over us. Flags, we later learned, of the possessed. Why we the had, we were asking. Wanting more to think of an earlier life, some lifted sense. Something said, getting out of a car when we were 19. So it was, and so it went. So we said, and saw it come true. Dispossession got hold of us, possessed us, got us happy. Lone Coast abandoned, woven into the blankets we wore. Now it was a bus we were on, going backwards, no matter we sat in front. Where was the ballot box, we were asking? Where did they put it? We soon saw the way, the Fay design of it, away from Lone Coast while on it none of us knowing where, none of us knowing when. We were in the aisle now, the lady in black, our leader. Lone Coast Islander, she intimated come hither. Gave the air a bump with her hips and gave it a grind. Give it all a don't care damn, we took her to mean. She was the moments woman, frustration's main squeeze. Given to paradox, don't care damn, we gave it up to. All of us only there not knowing why, she made us admit. She took it from juke to flamenco before we could blink. Back stiff, head and chin high, heels hammers, face rationing pride and duress. Eyes elsewhere, her hands bore mudras a sign from the east, it seemed. Don't care damn a danced indifference, dance don't cares, ta Heels hit the floor, we'd had enough. The lady in black's heels hit and ours followed. Heels hit the floor on the bus that had been a train, the bus that again was a train when our heels hit. A web staring growl went up as they hit, Ponte Hondo's friend, a breathy reed squawk behind each of us, a kundalini black snake moan. A buttress it seemed it was in back of us, gravelly strafe Camarón would have blown had he blown a horn. Thus it was we spoke of clowns and kings, each of us Conducting our lone apocalypse. Nature Boy, before we knew it, was on the box that wasn't there. Instead, we spoke with our feet. An early joy relived in a dream came next. Lone Coast reconnaissance, dreamt of in hinted what a rival might be. Slogan What it was was dance, was a weapon for the weaponless. Would be, some would have said. It wasn't some next level stuff, we'd have none of it. A way of being a way that brought out in was all it was. Frown line amenity, a wrinkle in the wind, noses up as though we took offense. What it was, was we did take offense. Ballot box absconded to your foot, no one would not have. Deep song dances hauteur was no shuffle. All heel was what it was, all stomp. And uh, here is Mu 122nd part called All Accruing to the One. Again, we came to speak of the one an idea whose time had gone and come back. On a balcony overlooking the hill sloping west, sun we turned away from, squinting. There was the one we have by not having, Huff explained, a lost or a secret someone stashed inside appearance, put away. There was the one half can't keep hold of split between it and the it of it. One short for beautiful one. Next Annuncia spoke, so prim and so proper this go. Containment's avatar this time around. The eloquent life Huff held forth about she'd have none of, philosoph against all odds. It she said is all there is of it. No such it as the is of it. No it inside it held apart, no split. No one that's not one, the one. I'd have said we might as well stare at the sun had I spoken. Zeno pulled my arm as I went to speak and I said nothing. Itamar said I'll talk about the one gave him a headache. Annuncia kept at it even more. Let the one be the one she exhorted, a theme she parsed and repeated, not letting it be if letting go was what it meant. No raw one would she abide, albeit raw was the one let be. No one but she cooked and cooled it, no letting be the it she said was all there was. All she said accrues to the one no two ways about it. Had by it, we have it, she said. No way out. The balcony shook. The building slid down the hill in the backs of our head. Too prone to throw our hands up. Too in touch with collapse. The one was our hands and our feet were the one. And our bellies and our minds and everything was burning with it. A coral keening rose up from the dunes that were not there, the Sahara so far from Lone Coast, but also not. We poured drinks all around and we called for more shabby, all thought not of the one unwelcome world pivot, a perfume like worry the strings quivered with, our bodies leaving us or we them. Tell me about the one was on everyone's lips. Said so as to seem offhand, albeit inwardly, each of us begged. So much having been said, we wanted more. Tell me about the one, I turned and said to Zeno, standing next to me. Tell me about the one, he turned and said to Zanette, standing next to him. So it went, passed on by each of us. Tell me about the one. Planetary pitch, pivot, pure vicissitude, risk we took telling taken back in the asking. Tell me about the one, a kind of hurt put on us having to, told as we were warned we'd be. Suddenly Sophia stood next to me. We needed to talk about Itamar's talk of her book, she said, calling it her so-called book. She would hear none of it. The book he dreamt her spread legs would make. were she to open them? The lineaments of when such were, she said. Now's not the time, I said. Tell me about the one. Something ominous began to build as we thought of the one, lowercase o's nonchalance no matter. The dead had come back for the day. All their favorite food was on the table smothered pork chops, pigeon peas and rice, chicken and dumplings, candied yams, macaroni salad, mustard greens, on and on. Tell me about the one with the grease on their lips, on ours. The unctuous dead kissed us askew, sloppy drunk. Tell me about the one's unanswered prayer. We were waiting to see the one but we're it, the dead said, water all around, but thirsty. The one, the wet kiss they gave. There was the one, and there was the one that was, Huff was explaining, not so much the one that got away as the one that was, duh. the one that had always wasn't. As though he basted our heads with salmon fat, he said it, was, wasn't no compunction. Tell me about the one, we egged him on. Annuncia too now, not so prim this time, no longer so proper. Huff's tractate braced us. We felt our ears pierced by holy weak brass as we spoke, no thought more worthy of the one. We felt our sleeves tucked at by the dead as he spoke. To have gone was no other than the one, we heard them whisper. They, they called themselves the Awaiting Dead. Was it wrong not to know, we wondered. Slick facade, all the more slick with salmon fat. Head grease, asking, was it something we suffered for? Tell me about the one, we exhorted again. Each of us meant we to mean us. We repeated it. Tell me about the one, without cease. Complete in one's apartness, one took oneself to be. One was not the one we stood reminded. We, the awaited ones. Sophia's disavowal stayed with me. Lineaments of when was a book I knew to be real. Why the shot at Itamar, I wondered. Why call the book her so called book? Why call it a book of what he took to be proffered loin musk? would-be book, the lineaments of when misread allure. Did she mean to say he took her to be the one? Secretly say she took him to be the one, I wondered, each the other's unawares angel. The one could be that way, I knew. What but made up gospel, any of it, all of it accruing to the one, no matter what. This, the one drop, Desiderata, one would cling to, one for all, one by one. Limbo, it might all have been only a bunch of stuff, such talk of the one, remote cosmological backdrop, talk so near, so far, a replete proto-wayhead politics it might've been, sedentary woe, we all go, not going, Nod unbeknown to itself. A remote political backdrop as well, we knew was possible. Deep wayhead resumption, dead leg reel and roulette. There we go. I'm not hearing you Fred, I think
0: you're muted. I'm trying to unmute myself and I guess I just did. I'm trying to unmute myself too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm not quite stuck, but I'm almost stuck in the joint between these two poems, which for me is a, a joint, a beautiful joint between the two longer poems from which they, they come. All heel was what it was. All stomp. And then we go right from there to all accruing to the one and and i guess in a way i want to i want to i want to say that i want you to tell us about the two <laughs> and i want there to be just one way about it right mm-hmm. tell us about these two and how they go together how how they how they were put together maybe even a little bit of your secret of how the book is composed how you put together your so-called
2: book <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, the so-called is in the putting together. I mean, you put it together in the appearance of what we call a book. And, you know, as an old DJ myself, I'm very attuned to to segues. Uh, so, you know, when you pick up on that segue between those two poems, mm-hmm. you know, you're you're hearing a lot and you're really getting to really kind of the the, you know, the core of how, I, of how I move through these poems. And, and so that segue launches into, you know, slightly different terrain from the one that precedes it. But um, it still has a foothold there. And then at the end, you know, it, it comes back to this idea of, a, you know, of a political backdrop, which, you know, the first one, you know, was more out front about because The Lady in Black is kind of this amalgam of or this, you know, a, a two in one, a two for um, <laughs> Rosa Parks, you know, and the great, you know, flamenco dancer, Carmen Amaya you know, had the two of them in mind. And this idea of, you know, I mean, that longstanding braiding of, of um, you know, of, of, of Spanish gypsy, Dante Hondo and African American Blues, you know, which Miles Davis initiated me into, you know, in my early teens. today is his birthday. But, you know, and I sketches of Spain. And, and that abiding, you know, interweave, that cross-cultural play, uh, you know, it's one of the things going on in Moments Omen. And it comes up again. It's it's inexhaustible. You know, you can't. You know, say that you're done with it because you, you know, you wrote you wrote your little poem. So I expect that to happen, and I expect there to be some fray. Mm. The edges are going to fray. It's not. It's never going to be neatly contained, even though. You know, we have this beautiful act of containment in this this box set. You know, it's a beautiful box, mm. and and you know, and and the three the three books are are beautiful containments of these two-in-ones but you know it all goes beyond you know those bindings and so when you really get back to it it's just that segue that you mentioned you know the all and and how you can pick up on the all and everything's in it so you can go anywhere with it well we're gonna read these books down to a nub (laughs) we'll read them
0: until they're gone (laughs) And to have gone was no other than the one. Yeah. So yeah, well, that's exactly what it was. I feel bad to skip over Soul's notice. No, no disrespect to Soul, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I definitely wanted to hear you read a couple pieces from Nerve Church, Brother B's Rump Struck recital, which is Mu One Hundred Ninety Fourth Part, followed by an amazing appearance. From from Sister C, who comes along in Song of the Bulu, 217. So
2: uh, so spin those, man, please. Okay, okay. Let me find them here. Yeah, move one uh, 194th part. Uh, Brother B's rump struck recital barred at the gate where the music went. No time soon, he was loath to admit, he made right, marred copy of what was true. We scratched our heads looking at him scratching his, sat making what of it we could. Was it over now, we asked him. Could he let go, let it go, be done with it, move on. He said he'd long since cut it loose, but no way we knew could that be so the tumbling out of it, the it of it, the it of it going on. Was it love or the love song he cut loose, but couldn't cut loose, we wonder. Another annuncio in love with the sound or the song of it, barred entry, but entranced. We wanted to know, was it a state he could give it up for, some just an adjoined array of others wanting voice. The we are cresting receipt, mused, and made mention of the we he'd make real, we hoped. Crepuscule and Condomblé wrought the we we sorted. What would not least of all, turn out to have been governable. His to have exacted, his to have inspired, all our bumped imbroglio made worthwhile. Brother B had been speaking to that effect. Telephone poles whizzed by the dining car window as he let out a cry, convinced it would all be ours now, caught up in the cry and the calculi behind it, the new next aim our train sped toward. It was now we knew a train we were on. This was in the distant past and only a minute ago. He sat holding forth in the dining car as we sat holding forth the car a car the train long since no longer had. So what were we we wanted to know and where and how so? The he we projected having something of an answer, Here's the we we badly wanted back. We were nothing if not of the moment, alive to it declaring itself. Brother B was Mr. Hot Pot now. He wrote as though he wrote the Reed's letter no mention made of his own low member, no mentioning the stiff bouquet emanating from it. He wrote in praise of Andrea Nett's nether lips. He wrote extolling her low beards accelerant musk, all of it a dream of some kind he awoke from sweating. Nakedness, newly doomed he thought. He was truly Mr. Hot Pot now He wrote as though he wrote the Reed's letter, his dream a dream of Andrea jelly. It was, he wrote, the world's one respite, the world old and mean set in its ways. All this on a train that had been a bus, that had been a car, that had been a house, a rant and a holding forth. It was all we could do not to ratify. I said some things It felt like life had rung out of me, Brother B announced back to himself, back to being someone we knew or we thought we knew, at home with him and him at home with us. Founding a new religion wasn't what he intended, sound as though it was, though he did. A first church of jelly, it might've been, had he been intending it, a new and old gospel of Andrianeth's perfume, waft he'd laid waylaid by. It was all an immaculate odor, no scent but the sound of it, a run he went off on, what always and anon would lie underneath. Up from under, he whispered. I need bottom. Something else, life rung out of him, he took it. The train approaching a tunnel the train going into the tunnel, the train coming out of the other side. Something seen in a face we'd long been chorusing, something seen in Andrianette's behind he now held forth about, of late come to ask, was that all it was? Tale he not so much announced as expelled, spat as he extolled it, Udright mints and remint. It was only a word, a word he drew down, only as if to say, deal with it. A rump struck recital was what it was, all it was. At odds with himself, we'd have said of him, himself caught in his wandering eye, caught looking, wondering where else it might rest. Song of the Andumbulu, 216. We sought refuge, decapitism at us wherever we looked. They were starting the next war. They were stealing the sky's ozone. It must have been, we were in rum. It must have been, we were in myrrh. More and more talk of a wall going up, more and more moving backwards. Crater more and more dug in. Sister C looked in of a sudden. She wanted to know what was on the box. We lived on a bubble of sound, not to be messed with. The box, we said, had gone out to sea. The box had been ours, we thought, but wasn't. This or that intuitive book, our box, we thought. Sweet reason itself, we thought. Crater was calling itself cradle. Words now, words collapse. We were all the more the Udrite phalanx we'd be. To speak as with the new tongue we were seeking. Tongue tip to tongue tip, tongues up on each other. The new tongue, a double tongue it seemed. That the word be on itself and be one with itself. Tongue meant demanding tongue. A slow lingering kiss was all we had, could we have been said to have that? Spoken for already, inimical words put on lips, all with, at the end, what I'm talking about. A fickle sonnet to announce as much could we have heard it, a leak or a trickle of sound from far away. Neptune, some would say, some would say Jupiter. Space was our claim to kinship. Static must our radio. Compensative light lit our way. That was no way. Trill. I dreamed we lay savoring the small mercy love was. Andrienne and I down to it at last. It was a dream we all had. Sister C and the women included. A dream not having to do with whose body had or didn't have what? Andrianette might've been Andre. Andrianette might've been Annette. Andrianette might've been Ornette. Andrianette might've been Andrea. We lay in flight from whose body had what? Sex polis taken over by haystack and wind, straw in everyone's hair, straw on everyone's clothes. We were on this or that electrical contrivance. They were saying something about an erectile college. Slavery lived on, some said. A closer look took us deep into nur, Backwards walking nubs, new low, new limbo. Our reaction to which, again, was to run. We lay running. Rabbits come after with shotguns and boots. We lay regaled, sprawls rendezvous with sprint, our restitution. She of the rumpled peacoat, me of the letterman's jacket, dream silliness, ruse, regret. All bets, it wanted to say, were off. Armor the way of the world we were in. The two of us in bed, fully dressed. We lay still, moving through the world at our leisure. Run's quintessence abstracted seemed. A music made of squiggles massaged us. The box not having left was back. We lay in our clothes knowing what lay underneath, who had what no concern. Grab was now the name we knew nearby. Not no matter we lay without hands, having none of it but its foil. Hands dipped in freezing water. Ritual ablution, ablution, we abjured it with. We lay unhanded. We lay in flight from grab and grope, nurse, twin principalities. We lie choked in our tuxedos, I blurted out. Unclear why, unclear what it meant. We lie choked in our tuxedos, Andrea blurted out in turn. Why were we in this place, we wondered, prone to say who knew what, tongue's autonomy law. We lie choked in our tuxedos, we repeated again and again. We were in the palace of the Peacoat, housed under Andrea ex's drab cover. Their two cats were in the sunroom basking, a domestic scene long since exploded she clung to all of it come to nothing, all as if it never happened, all of it racked and repeating, nothing ever was. Leave it all to them, this ball of dirt, we were now saying, the Nurians, give them their fill. We imagined a we beyond all calculation, the billowing peacoat, a tent we congregated under, reckoning loves more than one. We opted out, no matter ends, illusory offer. The it of it expunged, and it, outside its proffer, possible, we thought, and it, whose it we lay in whose umbra. Give it a don't care damn, we were saying now. Kiss it away, knowing why, knowing what we meant. We opted out, no get, no grapple. We were knowing it would be all right. Not being all right would be all right. Camarón sat us down as we wondered what next. That the box floated away told our despair. Hearts broken by politics again. Nub's facelift had fallen. Nub's facelift had never been. We heard a hammering in our heads and we wanted to hear more. We were post, post something it said. It wasn't clear what the something was. Comb over was all scrape, scratch, claw, post face itself, pure post. Bits of straw stuck to our hair were bits of sounds. We leaned on this or that eked out silence, the surge of one or another more than we could hope for. Mercy's wards again, mendicants again. Camarón's voice was all strafe, a stray corona, sunspots pocking the air it carried, came through. How could it have happened? We milled around, gasping. How could hair look so much like hay? We were asking. How could white be such a bright orange? We trudged up a foothill, workers leaving work. Voices caught in the ground, audible again, attenuated wide mouth sound, roofed in static, sonority domed in static, hollow inside. How could the options they were calling history be so dread, we were asking. The it of it against its ithom, no contest. The myth of it, the real of choice. We trudged up a hill of dry brush, our stomachs taken out, it felt like.
0: How did it happen, man? That I, I don't wanna act like the work wasn't always both deeply political and deeply erotic, but how did it come that the deepest political poetry and the deepest erotic poetry in this long trajectory, got so entangled here in in these in this book and in these poems. Was it just strictly under the duress of having to come to grips with how it is if white had become so bright orange, combed <laughs> over and fucked up as
2: it was? It was definitely part of it. It was yeah. definitely part of it. Uh, another part of it was age, you know. To see how how deeply the fate of the body is tied up in, in politics. You know, as you get older, and one's on you know, the frailty and mortality of our being, of our humanity, our human condition, you know, becomes pressingly real. And, and what got us into this uh, state of terror? under the sign of orange in the name of white, but a black man offering healthcare to all and, um, you know, having it named after him. And just the whole politics of finally, who lives and who dies, who lives longer, and who doesn't live quite that long, who gets their bodies taken care of, their ailments taken care of, and who doesn't? And um, the erotic—you know—one of the most joyful indexes of having a body, of bodily life. That possibility predicates a you know a certain degree of um, bodily viability, health, and care for health, health care. And so, you know, again, as you get older and the precarity of bodily being becomes pressingly real, you see how this was a fight and the opposition to it, you know, went to the very heart of things. Yeah. And I stress heart. But you stress bottom too.
0: (laughs) And and the need of bottom. And uh, man, I, I guess I thought, where you began, but with those first two poems and the the throwing of votes, <laughs> and of course it made me think also of the throwing of voice, you know, that vocal trick in which the voice is sort of elsewhere than where, than where it is, but also the the double voiced, the double tongue, you know, and uh and it made me think, man, that the the first church of jelly, or the first church of jelly jelly jelly, is a juke joint. Mm-hmm. Um, in Mississippi too, you know. It's like I kept thinking, man, this is those last two phones are like that's 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 Nate's Wayne dang Doodle, right? Like I'm <laughs> reading those phones, and the, and, and, and the snuff juice was everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. it's 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 such an amazing thing. Like I said, that the intensity of the of the political content is like matched and braided, you know, in in the intensity of. The, erotic contact and it's a uh, it's beautiful it's just beautiful
2: thank you thank you
0: i think it's time for maybe um josiah to come back in and maybe got some questions and stuff so
1: my ass yeah. i don't i don't even want to interrupt you both if you feel like talking until seven fifteen. we can do the q a then honestly i don't think anyone's going to object if you both keep spinning records
0: <laughs> all right I feel like talking to till seven fifteen tomorrow, but we, we, you you you, you yeah. need to you need to rein me in. I, it's yeah. time for me to be quiet. But um, but but I'd love to hear what what. So many, everybody's here.
1: Everybody's here,
0: so everybody should say something, man. At least
1: we can do the questions. That's no problem. We have a lot. We have a lot.
2: Yeah, I see. I see. <laughs> I just been looking down at the pages, but I see that. Uh,
1: Let's start with David G. David G. wanted to uh, know, um, Maestro uh, Mackey, how do you view the interplay between emotions and a collective gnosis? Uh, Gnostic individualism can easily be associated with despair turning away from the broken world. The personages in your poems are always on a journey. Is this a form of resistance or an attempt not to be dragged down into the negative frames of mind and spirit?
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you're quite right that you know, that's, uh, you know, that's a danger that the we uh, of the poems is, um, you know, quite aware of, and I'm quite aware of, and throughout my writings in the prose as well, you know, with the, you know, the band that I propose, you know, I look to music as a way of, you know, being one and the same, the ensemble possibilities that, that, that musical groups present us is something that gets over, you know, the possible solipsism or isolation of Gnostic estrangement. I mean, the way in which, you know, a group like, uh, I don't know, any of them really, but Ornette's prime time just dropped, into, just, just, you know, came to mind, you know, the way that they, you know, they're all sort of, looking out through this Gnostic window, each of them has their own, but they, and they create in the process a collective Gnostic window or, or window of windows that's deeply moving and that could be mobilizing. So that's, you know, that's that's one of the things that, you know, the music that I so often refer to is both a trope for and, and the truth of, and you know you know the way that we feel lifted by that. I think it happens in the other arts as well, trying to make it happen in poetry, but it has happened in poetry for, for centuries. I mean, you know, and the visual arts and what have you, I think that to give expression to Gnostic apprehension, you know, is, is, is to join hands in some ways and to come together, I mean, it doesn't have to be um, and in, and in the traditions, you know the historical traditions of Gnosticism, you know have often been communal, you know bands of uh, of knowing uh, folks banding together, and um, you know, dealing with the exigencies of of life in one way or another. So I think the, 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 the pronoun we, in my work, does a lot to try and answer that question.
1: Maestro, he, want, he, he wants to hear more about the one. Matt is asking uh, <laughs> you to tell us more about the one.
2: <laughs> Can I tell you more about the one? Well, I could be cute and say, if you have to ask, you know, you're in trouble. You know, pull one of those uh, <laughs> Ellington, you know, Armstrong lines on you. Um, you know, it was, the, it was the positing of the one that I, w- that I was really caught up in, you know, when I was writing that poem. It wasn't, it wasn't the one, it was the positing of it. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to linger. In fact, I couldn't do anything but linger in the positing of the one, you know? And the exigencies and precarities of that, you know. (laughs) What can you tell me about the one? You know, talks in that poem. Keep asking, you know. And and, um, I was I was cracking up as I as I wrote that poem. I I was laughing, (laughs) you know. Um, The positing of the one seemed really, you know, at that point it just because. You know, I started reading philosophy in my teens and, and, you know, there's all these problems of the one and the many and stuff like that. And, and I just, I don't know, in my 60s, 70s, I just I just started laughing. <laughs> so, you know, what can you tell me about the, and all accruing to the one? I mean, that I mean, that title just just jumped out. at I me. Mean, I didn't know what the hell I was talking about or what it was saying, all accruing to the one. And so it was the positing that uh, you know I just wanted to you know I just you know I just wanted to be with that you know and and go with that and you know I could tell you a lot more about the one if we got started but what I was doing in that poem was was showing how dialogical it was you know that it was that it was a dialogue about the one (laughs) paradoxically. Or ironically, or uh, oxymoronically, you know. What can you tell me about the one? I mean, why would the one be subject to inquiry at all? You know, like this question I just got. So you can't even, you know, you can't even, you can't, you can't posit the one without violating it. And so I was, you know, I was. I mean, it was one morning, you know, and I was, you know, trying to. See what the day's music would bring. Like I said in the preface to the to the to the box set. You know, I got in this thing called all day music, and I just started. You know, I I, you know, I didn't have the feeling that I that I had anything special to say about this century long this, this centuries long human occupation preoccupation philosophical preoccupation. You know, with the question of the one, but you know, I wanted to you know to abide, to dwell, to linger, like I'm doing now. Although, you know, the cadences may not be quite what they were in the poem. And then, you know, I didn't even get to where I get later, you know, in some of the more recent poems I've been doing where the one is specifically more referential to music, you know, on the one, on the two, that kind of stuff. So, It's just interesting to me and compelling that the one can sprout these multiple discourses and these multiple claims, the positing of the
1: one. (laughs) There it is, Matt, there it is. Okay, our our hermano Paul Nelson asks, Maestro, uh, you, Nathaniel, you said you were a slow improviser. What change with one thousand plus pages in six years?
2: I don't know. <laughs> um, like I said before, you know, age maybe, or you know, maybe uh, you know, after a certain amount of time in, in the shed, you can improvise a little faster. I mean, I've been practicing, you know, for decades, and um, I, you know, I, I think that might be it. And this sense of recursive advance or recursive extension that Fred talked about, you know, make for a certain certain momentum, certain accelerant. And uh, if you give yourself, if you allow yourself the liberty of reaching back in order to, you know, to go forward, then you find yourself moving much faster than you had been, you know, when you thought, you know, that every beginning had to be truly new and every, you know, new extension had to be truly new. So that's part of it and just finding out that you've got uh, a certain set of obsessions, a repertoire, you know, it, it sounds oxymoronic that you would have to, find out that you have obsessions, because obsessions should be self-evident and obvious, but maybe it's just a matter of owning up to them or accepting them, um, letting them be. But that has a part, but, but it has has something to do with it. But, you know, again, age, sense of urgency, a sense of having,
1: you know, uh,
2: not a lot of time to, to, to waste. So, Becoming a faster improviser, for those reasons, you know, is part of the profusion represented by um, you know the double trio. And uh, I think also coming to devote more of my writing attention to writing poetry, the other genres that uh, I've I've worked in, um, being let lay fallow uh, for this period as there just seemed to be this upsurge on the on the on the on the poetry side so i'm sure there are a lot of factors you know that i don't know about uh that i can't really say i was just kind of happy to let it happen you know and so here we are
1: nice nice okay uh you i'm sorry if i mispronounce your name She has a comment and a question. Uh, Nate, your syntax is is yours like a fingerprint, unmistakably. Uh, At times reading you over volumes and volumes, I feel like you've used 10 sentences to articulate 10 million ideas and emotions. Is it the durational aspect of your writing that keeps the sentences, the language of the sentences, the images of them new, i.e. that the world keeps changing beneath our feet or is renewal within an all too familiar scene the heavy lifting of your practice, the sifting of sounds and semantics for a way forward.
2: Yeah, I like that, you know, the, the renewal, you know, within the familiar, the heavy lifting of it and the attempt to, you know, see possibility rather than fatality and finality in the sentence. I mean, There's that pun that people have, especially poets, you know, have been playing off for years, decades, centuries. You know, sentences, this grammatical unit, but also, you know, sentence as uh, an imposed fate, finality. You know, you are sentenced to to life in prison, or you're sentenced to capital punishment, or you're sentenced uh, to ten years. So, the syntax is. It's kind of a, you know, a struggle to open the sentence up. Thinking back to my uh, my model and mentor Wilson Harris, to find pardon in the sentence sentence, and so those signature, you know, acrobatics if you want to call them that, or calisthenics, whatever um, the recursive extension that Fred talks about, is that seeking of, of pardon in this all too familiar sentence that just gets pronounced again and again and again and again. And we find ourselves in places that we thought we had moved beyond. I mean, I the stuff we're dealing with now, the return of all this stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm in my early 70s. You know, I, th- I thought we had put this stuff away in my late teens and early twenties. I thought we had dealt with, you know, all this uh, recidivist racism and white nationalism and you know uh, neo-fascism that we're back at having to fight. You know, I mean, it, it's it's depressing to look back over the span of a lifetime and see. Stuff that you thought had been dealt with and that we were advancing beyond come back with a vengeance, and you knew better than to get too optimistic. But you know, optimism feels good. It's hard to re, you know it's hard it's hard it's hard not to get sweet on hope, get a sweet tooth for hope. You know, so um, this work of of expressive culture is one of the ways in which you know, we buoy our spirits in the face of this heavy, heavy regime of the same, or the, the recurrent same, you know, not the changing same, you know, that Baraka talk about, but, but the recurrent reactionary same. So, you know, there's something in there about, about that syntax that. I think you're hearing and asking about and and that's what it makes me think about.
1: Jay Cameroon Carter has a really beautiful question for you. Uh, Maestro, is it fair to say that there's some relationship between the positing of the one and all accruing to the one and the work of another kind of we working across all of your work? Nate, going all the way back to eroding witness, I mean, nerve church.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, It's a life's work. And, you know, it it extends beyond my life, the community of lives that are working in poetry and in other media and in other modes and vocations and occupations. It was early on that I kind of moved away from the idea of the isolated poem, the single poem. Uh, even in any eroding witness, seriality begins to assert itself. And that's my first book. And the sense that, a sense of ongoingness and the incompleteness of any one poem, any one book, any one author's body of work, that this is in a very profound way, something that we're all doing and something that all the poems are doing together, however many of them you wrote, would suggest that it's gonna be a, a group, a set of seven poems, but it ends up being a set of eight poems. So that's already suggesting just in the the wobbly relationship between septet and the number eight, already suggests that there's not gonna be any anytime soon, any nice final fit. You know, If seven turns out to be eight, eight is probably not gonna be eight. And then nine is not gonna be nine. So you've got these numbers that are more than themselves, calling for more than themselves.
1: Yeah.
2: More than themselves uncontainable. So, so yeah, I mean, so it spreads out over a whole body of work and My work like the work of, you know, the various artists, thinkers, et cetera, that been nourished by and tried to learn from and, you know, deeply recursive, you know, it keeps coming back, you know, it's, it's, um, it's of a piece, but it's a, it's a halting uh, and sometimes ragged piece. And it, you know, it doesn't arrive at some point of final statement. And yeah, Jay, you're right to hear, you know, to hear um, echoes of, you know, they just come right from back at the beginning, you know, double trio quite consciously verbatim in some cases is reaching back again, you know, the precarity of retention, you know, reaching back to eroding witness just to make sure that that phrase is still there and that there's still some use in it. <laughs> I was talking to Fred, was I talking to you Fred the other day I was, or I, I must've talked to you one time about that, that thing that Carlos Santana says about um, growing up as a kid and, and eating sugar cane, the influence that has on, on his playing where, you know, and it, and it spoke to me because I remember this from, from you know, being a kid in, in Miami. But you know, you get a piece of sugar cane and and you'd eat on it, you know, and it's sweet at first and stuff. And you keep you keep chewing on it and sucking on it and stuff. And Carlos was saying that his playing is very much informed by that, by that, that experience of, you know, getting down to the last of the sweetness in the cane. And you just, you know, you're just getting into it and sucking on it and making sure that there will be no sweetness left that you have not gotten. And you can hear that in the way he he holds a note. And sometimes it's not even sweetness that's left. In fact, it's not sweetness that's left, but you're not gonna let it go until you've gotten all or or most of the flavor that's left in it, you know? And something is to be said for for that flavor being an exit of, of sweetness and the truth of that, you, know, you hear that in his playing too. So I just think that I'm doing something like that. You know, I mean, you, I hope. I mean, I you mean, know, I don't want to stupidly flatter myself by you know saying I'm Carlos Santana or something like that. But but that's the model. You know, is to go in and just keep going in to get what's in there left out. To keep drawing from it that's the long song and that's why in some ways it gets longer uh, the longer you live
1: wow uh unfortunately uh we're out of time I, I i we're gonna have to have a whole other event and have all these other questions answered i apologize to the audience for not being able to get to everything but please y'all give it up give it up give some love in the zoom mundo for uh Nathaniel Mackey and Fred Moten and this beautiful profundo evening celebrating the release of this divino libro, uh, double trio put out by new directions. Oh my God. This is, this book is an hermosura. It's gorgeous. And if you haven't had it, uh, haven't ha- purchased it yet, please purchase it in the link
2: and also, uh, check out city lights, This whole
1: inventory. It's online. Now we have several of Fred's amazing libros as well as several of, uh, Master Nathaniel Mackey's as well as this one here. So uh, it's a great way to support the bookstore. Please, mi gente, buy some books. And if you can, come visit us at the bookstore and live in person like they did back in the old days. If the bookstore misses you, I kid you not. Nathaniel, Fred, muchas gracias for being with us and sitting, sitting with us and schooling us and blessing us. It was a wonderful evening.
2: Thank you for having us. It's really been been lovely. Thank you very much.
1: Uh, I'm bidding you buenas noches from the third floor of City Lights Books. Come see us. Come see us. Come be with us. We're alive. You're alive. That's a beautiful thing. Y'all take care, okay?
2: Have a good after- evening, I guess I should say. You know, bye-bye. Good night. Buenas
1: noches.
0: Thanks
2: for listening to Live from
0: City Lights, a podcast from City Lights bookstore and publishers. Our theme music was provided by Axolotl, all City Lights events are free. To see upcoming events at City Lights Bookstore in San Francisco, check out www.citylights.com events.